Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey folks, this is Jason Lewis, the producer of the From the Shadows podcast. I just want to remind you about our website, fromtheshadowspodcast.com. We have a Facebook page. We would appreciate it if you like and follow. Also, join our discussion group on Facebook called After the Shadows. We have a Twitter feed. Please follow us on Twitter. It can be found with at podcast underscore from. Follow us on Instagram at From the Shadows Podcast. We have a YouTube channel. Go to the search bar of YouTube and put From the Shadows Podcast and please subscribe to that channel. We are also on the Odyssey Radio Network and we can be found there at odyssey1.com. We're still on the traditional podcatchers that everybody loves to listen to us on. We get a lot of feedback, so please rate the podcast and communicate with uh, whether you're on Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or Google Podcasts. We're there, and we appreciate it when you leave comments for us. We also have a Patreon page. It can be found at www patreon.com forward slash from the shadows you can receive books stickers coffee mugs and special content just for our patreon subscribers check it out for yourself and see what packages that we have to offer well that's all i have for you right now folks and thanks for being a part of the from the shadows podcast family so with that being said let's get this episode started so holler we're um we're back for this week's uh episode and uh i, I was kind of telling you we we got some interesting responses to our uh father's day special <laughs> so, um we i mean we did i didn't really mean to uh make people cringe uh about some of those stories but i guess you know i guess they enjoyed hearing our um um how would i say our misfortunes right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, but I did. I, I, I had one more. I had one more getting stitches story that I, you know, I, I'll share if you want to hear it. You know, it's. Oh, I, I think, think you should. I mean, I don't even know where to. If I start <laughs> talking about stitches, I mean, I don't even know where to stop. But go ahead. <laughs> so okay, so I'll, I'll tell this story and then we'll get into we'll get into your uh, uh, train of stitch stories that's rolling down the track. So, so, um, so, you know, so, you know, like, uh, in high school, I played on some fairly successful high school basketball teams. Right. Oh yeah. Um, You know, like, uh, state runner up regional final. Sure. Sure. Which which is how you ended up with a podcast. That's right. That winning, that, that winning, I don't know. Hey, that winning sports ethic. Took, took you uh, the rest of your life, you know, I mean, carried with you, stuck with you the rest of your life. Listen, I, I, you know, I know we're kind of joking, but I think you know that that is, is 
there's really some truth simple. to that. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's a lot absolutely. of truth to that. It's uh-huh. hard work and, and being a good teammate and, and then leadership ability. Right. So, right. so, so my senior year, we, we come, you know, we, we start our basketball season and uh, a lot of high expectations. You know, we had probably one of the best players in the state of Ohio played with me. He's the head baseball coach at, uh, I think, USC Upstate and North Carolina, South Carolina, somewhere down there. They were, they had, they won 40 games this year. He's, he's a really good college baseball coach. Anyway, um, so, and this kind of like I was thinking about this story, and I and and thinking about it, it led me back to last week about you know my old man and and him Diamond, being just Diamond tough, Diamond, yeah. tough and hard, and 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 maybe this is this when I think back on this story, this is what he was trying to trying to make me. So um, we so we're in the name first. You Sue. <laughs> Can you just name me Sue? <laughs> I love if anybody doesn't know that's a Johnny Cash reference. I uh, come on, come on, you got to know that, right? If you're listening everybody to everybody in our know what I'm sure. So go ahead. So, uh, so the first game, first game of the final four that year, my senior year, I mean, I think we might have been the fate, one of the favorites to win the state championship, but first half of the half of the game, we're playing a team out of Akron, Akron Hoban, who, uh, you know, just just to just to let the cat out of the bag, they beat our rear ends. And my buddy, who's the big time college baseball coach shot 10 for 35 in the game. So he, he didn't do so hot and we lost by 20. Anyway, that's not the story. The story is, is I kind of dove for a loose ball in the first half and hit this hit side of my head, hits this guy's knee. And, uh, and I kind of, you know, I, it was one of those deals where I kind of knocked, I probably got a concussion, kind of knocked myself out a little bit, but, uh, but I didn't think anything of it. That's know, back so. when you had to play through it, when you walked that concussion off. Yeah. I know yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. You yeah. had to walk it off. You got a concussion, walk it off. walked it off. Mm-hmm. So, so I get back up, there's another loose ball at the other end, throw it down. I, I get a layup because, you know, I'm still at the other end of the court shaking my head, you know. So I get back down to the other end of the court on defense, and this guy, the guy on guard, starts going, "Dude, you're bleeding. You're bleeding. You know, look." And I'm like, "I, I don't care, man. I don't care." He yeah. goes, "No, really, dude, you are bleeding." And so I, uh, they, he gets the ref's attention, and the ref stops the game. And back then, blood wasn't real. I mean, I think it was just getting to the start of it was a kind of a big deal. Yeah, you know, you know, yeah. Like, kind of a big deal. Like, I, 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 stop I, the game and wipe, wipe it up. Absolutely. Yeah. I say it for a couple thousand years, uh, injuries and blood wasn't a bad deal. But to here recently, they really, we've really weakened the world, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, used to, yeah. And I mean, and this was like the beginning of yeah. that part where, sure. so, so they, so they take me off to the side and, and Dr. Johnson, who I mentioned the episode before, was also was our you know the community doctor, but he was the team doctor. His son was our point guard, and he pulls me over and he's like, he's like, man, he goes, your your ear is splitting half. Like, what are you talking about? Well, here, when I hit the guy's knee, the top part of my ear ripped and ha- ripped. Yeah. Okay? 
So probably like a half inch, three quarters of like an notch, inch. Like notching a hog's ear or something. Yeah. Ripped. Uh, ripped it. Uh, you know, ripped it. Okay. And it's bleeding. And so he's he's over there trying to, you know, he's trying to get it stopped. And the coach, you know, Coach Shell's like, man, we got to, you know, come on, we got to get back in the game if he can go. <laughs> and I said, hey, let's just put me back. So he, he wipes up the blood. Mm-hmm. And I go back in the game, play the play the game. Uh, like I said, we got our butts kicked. I didn't think much more about it because it was, it didn't really hurt. So we get back in the locker room, and Doctor Johnson goes, "Meet me, meet me in the shower." I'm like, "Oh, oh. yeah." Well, Penn State about. or no? It was oh, high school. Never mind. I didn't say I didn't say Doctor Sandusky. Oh, anyway, so. <laughs> So I'm I, I, I'm in the shower and, and he comes in. He's got a wire brush, okay, wire brush. Now keep in mind, I have not looked at my ear. I have no idea what is happening with my ear. Well, apparently, when it ripped, there's a piece of cartilage sticking out in my ear. And he takes that wire brush and he goes. I got to get, I got to clean this out because I'm going to stitch it up. And I'm like, wait, what do you mean you're going to stitch it up? He goes, oh yeah, you're not leaving the locker room here unless I stitch this up. Now, as tough as I wanted to be. Thought you were back then. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I hated, I hated needles. I hated stitch. I didn't, I got stitches like two other times. I did, I did not like needles at all. Okay, because I spent a lifetime as a kid getting allergy shots, getting my blood drawn for different things. I hated needles. And I'm like, you sure? He goes, oh, trust me. You are going to want me to sew this up. Okay, now keep I, so, so he scrubs it with this wire brush. Right. Which, you know, I, I sucked it up a little bit. And, you know, and he goes, he goes, go get, go get dressed and, and, and. You're going to have to get up on the table there. So we're in Ohio State because we played at St. John's Arena at that right. time. Ohio. So we're in Ohio State's locker room. And it lays me down. on t- Now, keep in mind, we just lost. We're out of the Final Four. We're not going to play for the state championship. There's guys that are pretty upset. You know, they're kind of, you know, there's tears. Just go ahead and say crying. There are dudes crying. crying. Some of these dudes are crying. Okay. I you know, that wasn't me. I wasn't, you know, I, I always approach it. If you played as hard as you could and lost, you had nothing to be ashamed of. So, you know, I, I, Hey, it is what it is. That's the way life is. So he lays me down at the table and he goes, I, I'm going to have to numb your ear. I remind you, I hate needles. I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, you don't have to do that. And he goes, no, man. He goes, no, Grover. He goes, you're going to want me to numb your ear. I'm like, nah, it's okay. He does it anyway. Cause he knows better. He knows like, I'm your dad. Like I'm an idiot, you know? Okay. I can't, I can't be saying, you know, I don't know what I'm getting myself into. Well, thank God, because I could feel him snip off a part of the cartilage so he could sew my ear back together. Okay. And so by now everybody that was crying and upset, and like tears in her eyes are standing around me at this table, watching completely you. watching me. They're laughing at me. They're making fun of me because I'm squirming. They're getting grossed out because they're snipping off part of my ear. Well, then he starts stitching it. Okay. And they're like, oh, 
Well, guess what? He hits a spot that is not numb. Okay. <laughs> now, it's one thing when you start the process knowing how bad it hurts because you don't get numbed. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you just from the, but when you're like comfortable not really feeling what's going on, and like, and then all of a sudden you do. <laughs> I screamed. And I almost, I felt like I was going to rip the top of the table off because I was holding on to it. And those guys are laughing so hard at me that they completely forgot that we just got our butts handed to us by 20 points. And, uh, and we get done and, you know, Dr. Johnson never flinched. And I, sat up on the table and he just is kind of admiring his work a little bit and he looks and he goes you know what Grover I should have been a plastic surgeon that's pretty darn good work and, and every time he would I would be in his office or something and he'd, and he'd see me he'd always he'd always grab my ear and take a look at it and he goes you're you know that's some of my best work I ever did I sh- knew I should have been a plastic surgeon so how many <laughs> stitches he put in there Oh, it had to be seven or eight, maybe. And I will tell you, other than like a little, there's like a little notch, like you said, like a pig, like this notch of pig's ear. You can't, you can't tell. Like uh, it's my left ear. I'm, I'm feeling the notch right now. So the cartilage on the out, you know, where that notch is, is this part that he snipped out, and it's a, I can fit my index finger in that. So. That's a pretty good size piece of cartilage he um, snipped out of there, you know. <laughs> so, right. So, so there you go. You know, I when you were telling that story about your dad, and he he got to the end of that, and he's like, "Hey, whatever." If I say, "Don't know my," you know, "Don't know my head again," don't listen to me. I, I knew what he was talking about because I was sat there saying, "Ah, yeah, I'm okay." No, no, take the shot. Just take the shot because, oh, that hurt. That hurt. But there you go. It's a good story, and I got a and I got a scar to prove it. Well, I I uh, I don't even know where to begin. My first stitches. We had this old loose hay barn, so I don't know if you got any, like I said, I don't know if we have any Amish or Mennonites that what? listen, but you know what a loose hay barn is. That's old school right there. Yeah, old hay. school, you know, opens on the hayloft, so it's built on the side of a hill. So the main level, let's say the main level, on the uphill side, there was four or five big stalls. I'll have to look, me, look up some pictures. Down on the lower level, so it was essentially three stories on the back and two on the uphill, right? Yeah. And in the middle, it had a breezeway in the middle, had big doors on each end, so they'd drop that hay hook. You know what I'm talking about when I say drop a hay hook down the end? Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. we would we would build, me and Jamie, and that's my brother, and, and Mike and Bruce, the dudes in them, some of them stories, you know, when we were little kids, we'd build hay, hay forts, and we'd be jacking around, and and we have war games. That's what we call them, war games. And we had a war game, and them guys had the high ground. They were upstairs in the hayloft, and, and me and my cronies had the middle where the feed and stuff was, which would be the middle level across the breezeway from the stalls. And my brother 
somehow had gotten a sh- short shovel up there. You know how in the barn you got them shovels with like a T handle on it, you know what I mean? And they had lifted up a board and they 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 dropped that shovel straight on my head. Oh, <laughs> Oh gee, what is this like a Three Stooges episode? Just, yep, and just and cranked me, and I bled, and of course, you know, it's time to get mom, and and I had to go to the hospital and get my stitches. Hey, and I came home and I took a crowbar, one of them little flat crowbars, and I went up and cranked him upside the head, and she had to go back and get stitches in his head <laughs> in the same place, the same doctor, two hours later. <laughs> Oh, oh man! I cranked now him that, right up beside, right above his his his. Uh, I'm right hand, so he right above his left eye with one of them flat crowbars. You guys, you guys, seriously should have killed each other that day. Game on! You know what I'm saying? No, I mean, game on! Pow! A, sh- a shovel to the head and a crowbar. Mm-hmm. That's kid kill somebody. And that, yeah, and my mom, and dad, were, yeah, those those kids again. You know, I remember one of the ones my mom likes to tell us is I had gotten, Jamie had gotten sick with something and I don't remember what, and we had taken him to the doctor and he'd got a prescription and my mom had left us in the car and ran in and got her paycheck or something and she worked at a Safeway, but she left me and him unattended in the car. Oh boy. And she comes out and... I say, Mom, I'm crying and just throwing a fit. And, and Mom goes, Sweetie, what's going on? I don't think she called me Sweetie because she never did. But she said, what's going on? Or what are you bawling for? Or, Shut up or I'll give you a reason to cry or something. And I said, Jamie, that's my brother again. Jamie won't give me none of the pills. Well, he had he had ripped open his prescription at the top. You know, he come in a little plastic paper bag. Well, he knew it was his, right? Yeah. So. He got that prescription open. He had got the bottle open. He had started taking all those, all those, all those pills, and he wouldn't give me any, so I ratted him out. So he had to drive her back over to the hospital and get his get use that charcoal, whatever, pump his stomach out. I think it was just a box of pills or something. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, it was a it was kind of a big deal, but I don't think it had killed him. I mean, obviously, because he's still alive. I mean, I was at his house yesterday, so he, he's. I talked to him on the phone today, so he's. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, that's that's why you can't leave kids unattended. Well, now you, yeah. Now, now you can leave kids unattended. They never even look up from their cell phones. I tell you, oh well, yeah, you know, we didn't have cell phone. We had a bass boat. I ever tell you that, my old man, we had a bass boat. Me and my dad was talking about it the other day. And when I was in an illegal age to drive a boat at that time in Missouri was 12. Oh, motor, dear God. Motor. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Like an outboard motor? Or... Yeah. Like, so I had this, and it wasn't a night, you know, it was an old, what they call bomber style, but your bass fishermen, your listeners of ours will know what a bomb rounded in the front bomber and had a 40 or 60 horse Mercury. And when I was 12 and 13 years old, I'd have one or two, three of my homies, whoever wanted to come with me out driving around the lake and I'm talking if you look Google up Truman Reservoir in, in the state of Missouri you're going to see I mean it's a real lake it's not like I'm jacking around in some some buddy's pond yeah I like mean, a two acre reservoir it's not a two acre reservoir no it's 200,000 acres I mean it's 
it's a core engineer flood control project. I mean, it's a big, it's a big lake, you know. It's like it's lake, lake Erie. I don't know how big Lake Erie is. I don't know about know. Lake Erie now. Well, now, you know, Great Lakes are pretty big deals now. They're a whole different. You ever see all them haunted bad stuff that happens on the Great Lakes? I know. We were just up there last night. And what I never can figure out today, because I got a pretty nice bass boat now that's always has to be worked on. And I don't understand that. When I was a kid, we had a piece of junk that always ran. I mean, when 12 and 13 year old kids are driving all the time, we never really maintained it, never worked on it, never did anything. And it always worked. And I got a big fancy metal flaked uh, 20 foot fiberglass boat. It looks like a million bucks on the trailer, but it, it's a, it's a, it's a roll of the dice, whether it's going to, you know, what's going to go out now. You know, it's going to be a fuse. The electronics ain't going to work. This is going to quit. You just don't even know. But when we were kids, we had this old boat, and I'm telling you, we just just take off, look after ourselves. But but we had good – I was told, I, you know, I was some, – some of my classmates' parents kind of broached that topic with me. Don't, do you think it's – I mean, does your parents think it's safe? Does your mom know your dad lets y'all go out like that? And I said, oh, you don't understand. We uh, we come from tough, and we didn't use the term DNA, but, we, you know, we come from tough stock, lady. I mean, we, we're going to be tough. We're going to be tough. And and she said, well, I, you know, I know your dad, but I don't know your your grandpa, your dad's dad. Where's – where, where – because the community we lived in was was a tight Catholic family community, and we were one of the first non-Catholic families to move out there in, in the mid seventies. <clears throat> and I said, "Well, my dad really didn't like to talk about it because my grandpa just just passed away. He was Elvis Presley." <laughs> she said, "Do what?" And I said, "Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Dad doesn't like to talk about it because he just abandoned my grandma, but." But yeah, Dad says his his real daddy's Elvis Presley. So <laughs> when this gal come back, brought me home or whatever, running my old man and kind of confronted him a little bit. He had to get me and my brother, my big brother Jamie, and together. And he said, "Hey, I, I got a confession, you guys. Before this goes too far, <clears throat> my 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 daddy's really not Elvis Presley." And I said, well, why would you tell that all the time? And he said, well, most people don't know who my real dad is. Uh, so I wanted to pick somebody famous. And I said, well, who is? And he goes, well, he's actually Marty Robbins. So, but I was afraid you kids wouldn't, wouldn't know who that was. So, And I said, the guy that plays those cassette tapes you listen to? And he puts on Streets of Laredo. Yep, this is my daddy right here, kids. They met at a circus sideshow. Met your grandma at a circus sideshow when he ran off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, you guys never stood a chance, did you? Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, that's the way it was in them days, you know. Back before social media, people, you know, find out more stuff than they need to, ought to, but, you know, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love it. I love it, Marjorie. Right. We broke a, we broke back going back circling back to stitches. I think Mike was on this one too. Remember when soda was in glass bottles? Remember it had oh, yeah. and you'd you'd collect them for dimes or nickels. Remember oh, that? Yeah, yeah. Of so, course. I, I mean, you, could, you had to carry like a, the eight pack. 
Yes. Of Pepsi. Yes. Or Co- I mean, you'd you bring the to- bottles back to the store, remember? Oh my God! Yeah, and there'd be like you yeah. hear the cling clinging of it. Yeah. And you'd, yeah. Some like so, the grocery stores are had the, like the little roller uh, yeah. conveyor belts. That's and exactly right. So we had some kind of a uh, some kind of a uh, uh, unintended child exercise going on in the yard, and we broke one of them. And I don't remember who broke it. I'm pretty sure. Jamie, my brother. Anyway, I'm sure the older kids broke it, but we had these broken, and I mean it's real glass. If you, you, if you, if you're old enough to remember, I mean it's real glass. It ain't no Mickey Mouse glass. It's real glass. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. And and we got to chasing each other, jacking around, and I and I stepped on the bottom, so it was like a glass bottle bottom with like a just a eighth or a third or sixteenth of the side, but it was enough to flay my foot open. You know, oh. like a like a last year's salmon. You know, yeah, cut my okay. tendons in my first three toes. So, of oh course, I goodness. go down, huh? Oh, I, I go down, and this this foot of mine flops open, and, and I just remember Mike and Bruce and saying, "Oh my God, you gotta call your mom." My brother Jay, Jamie was high. It's not that bad, you know. And and I just remember they going, and you can see the meat in there. You can see the tendons or whatever. You know, you can. So he had to go in and pick up the old landline and call Safeway and say, cause the story, you know, and ask the boss and the boss got my mom and they could tell, you know, we, they, everybody knew, you know, that's just what kids did. You stayed home back in them days, right? Oh, oh yeah. And back in them days, summer school was for dunces. Now they let anybody go to it and, and all this other stuff. But anyhow, um, mom came and got me and had to go in there and get stitches and, and, uh, my toe was messed up until not until 2001 when I got the month before I got married. My wife, who works in a, a pretty big surgery center there in our hometown, she made me a specialist with a um, I don't know if he's a podiatrist or just orthopedic surgeon, and he she, she she got my toe straightened out. So I had a bad I had a crooked toe from. From the time I was 12 or 13 to the time I was thir- I got married when I was 31, I think, 30 or 31. So I had a crooked toe for that long because they didn't care. Oh right? my god! You said deal with it. Uh-huh. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. <sighs> well, well, do you? So the, since this is our last show before the Fourth of July, and the and the uh, episode that's going to come out on the. Uh, the week after this is going to be a best of the howler. Right. Should we, should we give every, you got everybody a good, we got a good 4th of July story. Send everybody, <sighs> send everybody off into the holiday. You want the fire department or no fire department? You know, I think you, I, I think you got to go fire department, right? I don't know. You know, 4th of July in a lot of ways has kind of been a letdown. Well, let me not, as a kid, we had copious amounts of fireworks. And then as I grew up, when I got to be a cop, they would I would hear all these crazy stories about how Fourth of July, you got to watch it because they're gonna, you know, the sheriff's department I worked at on Fourth of July, every single person had to work. Yeah, because that's when all the crazy stuff happens, right? Or right. At least that's that's what I'm saying. And I remember sitting in that squad room, and I was like, "What? Oh, they're going to burn barns down. They're going to burn cars down. They're going to, they're going <laughs> to, like Halloween. 
It's like like Halloween. Yeah. It's just like, like Halloween. Halloween. It's, you know, it's 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 going to be on, and nothing ever came to fruition. It's just you know, just uh, just the usual. Did I tell you about? I, I think I told the story about the guy kicking the wind out of my cop car, didn't I? No, I don't remember that story. Oh come on! You're telling me I ne- I've never told that story. I I don't. I don't remember the story. About a dude kicking the window out of my cop car? Not kicking the window clear out. No, I don't remember that. Okay. Well, if I've, if I've told it again, I'm sorry. But I was working <laughs> down here at the lake. What? I'm sure everybody will forgive us. I was working down here at the lake in 4th of July. And this, for some reason, I think this was the third or the fifth i don't think it was the actual holiday i think it was the day before the day after but needless to say i was assigned down here at lake the ozarks as a state trooper and there was a new there's a new bridge now it's there people know it but at that time the 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 toll bridge now going to port so if you google up port you'll see it's over there's a public housing and stuff over there but <clears throat> there was a new toll bridge over there and I used to drive. There was a there's a bypass to get around the old business loop. You know what I mean? That goes yeah. over the dam and where all the old stuff was when you're a kid. And I traditionally liked driving the old business route because it reminded me when I was a kid. You know, all the bumper cars and all the people. And and most of the real troopers didn't want to do that because if you get caught in traffic, you can't get through. You know what I mean? Because it's bumper to bumper for a couple of miles through all these attractions it's single lane with a turn lane in the middle so there's a little room but not much so i'm you know cruising through you know i'm bumper to bumper just barely crawling and i can hear this uh guy i work with i could hear him on what we call nowadays they got satellite trunking systems back that Back in them days, they had low band VHF H VH band radios. I don't really know what it was, but it, you know we had what's called low band and high band radios. So low band was was had great big antennas on the side of your car. If people were old enough to remember them big antennas oh, on yeah. the top car. Yeah. So so, but if you were fairly close, you would get bleed over. So even though he's on car to base. It sounds like car to car because I'm that close to him, if that makes sense. So I can hear him in what I perceive to be uh, an excited manner trying to call uh, the troop. Well, the troop's not answering right off the bat because what happens is, you know, when you've got 150 guys working and just one or two people on radio in the daylight and a lot of traffic like that, you you just got to wait your turn. And sometimes it takes a long time. You know what I mean? And about the third time he called the station and they didn't answer, I put it on car to car and I called him direct and I said, are you okay? And he said, where are you at? And I said, I'm here at the dam. And he said, get over here now. I'm right across the toll bridge. So I jump out in the turn lane and, and, you know, turn on my red lights and siren and, and, and I'm and I'm only about two and a half, three miles from him, but it takes me, you know, six or seven minutes to get over eight minutes. Now I don't remember. It takes me a little bit to get through all these people to get over there to him. And as I'm getting close, I turn my siren off, but I still got my red lights. So as I pull up, he's got a 
at that time it was a new Ford um, Expedition. You sure I haven't told you this story? I don't. No, I listen. I don't. As of now, I do not. Run so it's like an Eddie Bauer red and tan '97 okay, Ford Expedition. Remember then they were the hot item. Oh yeah, those are sweet. And he's over at the driver's door. He's got his hat on and he's talking down. So I'm pulling up to the back. I pull up behind his car. He's in the sh- on the shoulder, and I put two. Mi- I'm more exaggerated on the shoulder. My t- I got two wheels way out in the grass and two wheels on the shoulder. And I sneak up to the passenger side of this vehicle. There's two teenage guys in the front seats. You know, it's got bucket seats. The driver's a teenager. The passenger's a teenage male. In the back, the left behind the driver is a teenage girl. In the middle is a teenage girl, and on the right side, passenger side, second seat, is a 50-year-old and happens to be the owner of this expedition and the driver's father. Okay? Yeah. And and this this trooper is trying to explain this ticket to this driver. A, a signature is not an admission of guilt. You're going to have a court date here in Camden County. You can take care of our mail. I mean, people are hard to take. You know the whole spiel, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. And yep. you know what's crazy about this? This the trooper is being that's being so nice is uh is uh is uh was a former marine and a dude that could that could just rip the head off everybody in that truck without even thinking twice about it. You know you know what I mean? But yeah, and he's he's being polite doing his yeah, job. Well, he's just one of those guys that yeah you know some of those guys are so tough out there that they don't even they don't even project toughness anymore. It's not even you know what I mean. They don't even have to act tough anymore, right? So. <clears throat> But every time he starts to go explain this, this ticket, oh, all the windows are down. They're all got like swimsuits on. The two backseat passenger girls, they got these little two-piece bikini things with, but they got, you know, like umbro shorts or whatever and flip-flops on. Like they just got out of the pool or out of the water and they're trying to go back and, and they get pulled over. So as he's trying to explain this ticket, the dad in the back keeps opening the passenger side door. He he goes to open the second passenger side door, and he tells us he keeps telling the trooper, "I'm gonna kick your effing ass. I'm gonna do you know just just craziness. Screw you. Wait till I get out of the truck." And and every time he opens that door a little bit, these teenage girls reach across him to pull the door closed. Does that make sense? Trying to yeah, trying to keep him from doing. Yeah, and and I and I'm getting I'm forming my opinion here. Now my buddy sees me walking up. But everybody in the car is looking out that driver's side window. They don't even see me standing there. Yeah, I got you. And, and on the so he, this guy does on the so he does it again. He goes tells this trooper, "I'm going to kick your ass." Goes to open the door. The girls lean over him, pull the door closed. And I think I'm getting starting to get feeling that he's doing it to act like a big man in front of kind of showing off to these girls, getting these girls to kind of lay across him while he's doing it. Does that make sense? You know? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So as a, as a 50 year old man, though, I'm, I'm, it does not, it it does not. Yeah. You know, it doesn't compute to me either, but to (laughs) to drunks at Lake the Ozarks, that's some of their thought process. Well, the third or fourth time he went to do that, when he opened that door, when he unlatched that door, I'd already had the outside handle and I pulled it 
all the way open. And when I did that, he gets extended out because his hand's still on the door latch. And I grab him and I just I just pull him straight out of that thing, face down, right into the side of the road. Bang. That makes in one fluid instant. Bang. <laughs> and I got one cuff, two cuffs, and I stood up and I walked over to that back and stuck my head in that one I got my hat on too. And I said, does anybody else have anything to say in this truck? And they're like, no, officer, sorry. That's my dad, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, go ahead, man. So, go ahead. so I got a, a, a 30 seconds ahead of myself. So I, I got him on the ground. I get him cuffed. I, I get him up, and I go put him in my car. Well, at that time... It, and I'm sure it's still this, you know, the vast majority of Missouri State Patrol cars didn't have cages. So you put the violator in the front right passenger seat next to you. So really? I put him in the, okay. yeah, so I put him in the front right passenger seat of my car and I put my seatbelt on him. Then I walked up there and stuck my head in the window and says, anybody else got anything to say? And they were saying no. And I said, okay, Steve, go ahead. That's the truth. Steve, go ahead and give him the information. And I'm standing there watching this dude explain this ticket and I can hear a siren coming and that's our, that's our corporal. That's our boss rolling up because he knows something's going on. Right. And I don't know why I guess. Cause when he was pulling up, I looked back. Remember? And so when I'm looking back, my car's directly behind this, our, Steve's car's behind this expedition. My car's behind him. And then my corporal's rolling up. But when I look up, I see this dude, he has gotten his feet now he's cuffed behind the back, but he's in still in the seatbelt. But he's gotten his feet up on the dash, and he is kicking the front windshield out of my patrol car <laughs> with his heels. Was he in flip flops too? No, I, he had like tennis shoes, kind of you know, just slip on. You know, um, I think what he had was because um, I mentioned the other day to my son, he didn't know what I was talking about. Topsiders. Oh my, my god, son like, like leather slip on leather yeah, slip on. Pre-dudes, you know, now they got these dude shoes, but back in the day, topsiders, right? Yeah. Kind of the slug shoe. So I got to my passenger side door at the same time Mike did, and he had his brand new pepper spray was the hot item. This is back before tasers. And he was shaking his pepper spray like a can of raid. <laughs> and I, I grabbed the door panel and he said, Open it up, and I said, dude, can't spray it in my car. I had a brand new car, it had a thousand miles on it, like eleven hundred miles on it. So I opened the door and I pulled him out to the grass and Mike lit him up with pepper spray. And and if anybody's ever had it, man, tase me any day, but don't pepper spray me. Because the taser goes away as soon as they click the button off, you know. But that pepper spray, it gets in your face and your nose and stuff and you're you're eating it, you know. I mean, you, you're coughing and sneezing it for six hours. So... We load him back in the car. We let the kids go. We load him back in the car, and and I put kind of push the windshield back down a little bit, you know, because the rubber piece is coming around or whatever. And we drive this whole, and we take this guy to jail, Camden County Jail. And it's a holiday weekend, and I don't remember what all charges I tried to charge him with, but when when Monday rolled around. 
they let him go because the prosecutor, I think they let him go the next day. The prosecutor didn't come in and charge him, or, you know, didn't file it. In Missouri at that time, you had 20 hours to hold him, and a prosecutor has to actually fill out the warrant. A judge has to sign it. There's a whole legal process. And on a holiday weekend, if you didn't kill somebody, they just don't want, they're just not, they don't hang out a lot of times and read reports. Does that make sense? So, it, so they didn't charge him, they let him go. So, I'm in there typing. I call the troop, and I, you know, it, what we call call the garage. I call the garage and said, "Hey, I got my window busted this weekend. Um, I need to make an appointment." And they said, "Well, the the, the glass guy's coming on Thursday. I think it was Wednesday or Thursday. Maybe it was Wednesday. Wednesday. Just bring it up here then. Wednesday at one o'clock." And I said, "Okay." So I go home. I come in. I, maybe it was Tuesday the next day, but I was at the office when the, not my sergeant, but one of the other sergeants was there and he walked in and he goes, what in the F happened to your window? And I said, this dude kicked it out on, you know, three or four days ago. What the hell do you mean he kicked it out? And I told him the story kind of like I just told you. And he goes, did you call the garage? And I said, yeah, they told me to come in Wednesday. Are you effing kidding me? Did they not see your freaking window? I should put you out of service. You can't be driving that thing like that, dude. You'd write somebody a ticket if they showed up in a car like that. And I said, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. The garage just told me to do it. And he goes, and they didn't charge this guy? And I said, no. And he picks up the phone. And he calls the prosecutor because he was that kind of guy. He just retired this last year. He's a, he retired as a captain. And he called and he, you know, he calls the prosecutor by name. Bob, what the hell's going on? Did you see, you know, and... And essentially gets the guy charged, right? Gets the guy charged. And what I had left out in, in the story is when I ran the guy, when I after I arrested him and I ran the guy, he was ahead of federal probation and parole warrant, or uh, probation and parole hit. He was on federal probation for tax evasion. Big million-dollar house down at the lake. Big, con, big construction guy from northwest Missouri. Um but a convicted federal felon nonetheless. But not that that makes him a bad guy. I just lay in the framework. So so this sergeant calls a prosecutor and gets a warrant for him. So he said, that was, I think, on Tuesday. He said, you come back Wednesday, tomorrow when you leave the garage for my, you come back and see me. So, of course, I go up to the garage, and there's like seven or eight cop cars all in a row in the garage it's right there at Jeff City which is the state capital so there's like dudes that drive the governor's two or three governor's security cars there's two or three captain cars and I walked in the garage and I tell Nora hey what do you want me to do we go, okay you're next just park it at the end there and we'll get to you you're like the seventh one in line or ninth one in line or whatever so then the glass guy came in walked over to the the garage guy Norm said who the whose car is that blue and he said, my badge number is 403. He said, who's that blue 403 back there? And Norbert's whining. He goes, dude, the freaking window's kicked out of it. Because these guys are governor security dudes and stuff. They're getting like rock chips fixed and stuff. You know, they're they're doing little, <laughs> you know, I got a rock chip or I got a whatever. I got a, So they all walk back there and go, what? you drove this thing for three days? I said, you told me to. Well, you didn't tell us you got it kicked out. And I said, well, busted window where I come from is a busted window. You don't complain about a rock chip or a crack. <laughs> so when you're dealing with these with these smaller counties they don't have the resources to go get a lot of these prisoners right so when you when they have a warrant they'll put an extraditable um adjoining county zoning 
or extraditable within 50 miles or 20 miles or something like that, right? So, so yeah. I'm sure they do the same thing in Ohio. Right? Ask the judge; he'll know what I'm talking about. So, so the good news is they filed charges on us. I had active warrant, but the bad news is I think the extradition was adjoining counties only or within 50 or 75 miles. I don't remember what it was, but he was safe up there in St. Joe, Missouri. And when this this sergeant Rick um, seen that, he tells the prosecutor, what the hell is this? And the prosecutor goes, well, you know, we really don't have the money to go arrest him, bring him down here, but if he's got a place to lay, sooner or later he'll be down here and he'll get stopped and then they'll arrest him then. And Rick was like, no, 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 no. And the prosecutor's like, well, that's what you're going to get, man. You know, we can't just, and he goes, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. So we left the prosecutor's office, went back to our office. He picked up the phone. This don't mean anything to you, but it means a lot to dudes that I worked with that'll know, or, you know, cops, people that know what I'm talking about. So he calls up at, to St. Joe, which we have troopers all over the state, right? He calls the troop headquarters for St. Joe, gets a trooper to go arrest this guy at his office and start yeah. driving him back. And they relayed him from trooper to trooper all the way back down 180 some miles all the way back down there to get him in jail that night the whole time probably saying you can't arrest me because i don't know what he was saying but i it segues into a, another quick story extradition story that i don't know if i've told or not if you want to hear it listen but, let's send everybody to the fourth of july you know this is Everybody's going to enjoy their 4th of July weekend that much more. Yeah, so, so I was trying to get permission to go turkey hunting on a friend of mine's dad's land. My a friend of mine I went to high school with, his dad had several farms. And, and when I moved back, because when you get on a place like the, uh, the state at that time, especially, they made you move away from your hometown, and it took a long time to come back uh, just because that's the way it was. You know what I mean? They figured you couldn't. Oh, yeah police your hometown or whatever correctly or whatever. So when I moved back, I run this buddy of mine and, and, and his dad had a, several uh, pieces of property and this, that, and the other. And I said, Hey, is anybody hunting your dad's place? No. And, and one thing, he goes, well, you know, <clears throat> and he said, dad's kind of down on the cops. And I said, why? And he goes, well, he got two four wheelers stolen and nobody will do anything about it. And I said, well, who stole? So this guy tells me who stole them and where they at. And I said, how do you know? That? And he goes, you know, the neighbors got to talk and, you know, people talk, you know, small town people, rumors. Right. And, and so I said, did you tell the sheriff's department? They said, yeah, but they can't really do anything about it. They said it was just rumors and one thing led to another, led to another. So I said, okay. So I go back to the office and I run this guy and I just transferred into this County. So one couple of troopers knew me, but, but several of them didn't, you know what I mean? I'm an unknown commodity to them. So, but I saw, so, and I enlist one of them's help one day. So I, I, the dude that they said stole these four-wheelers, I run him, and he has a warrant, extraditable, adjoining counties only, which is – and it was down here in Miller County where I live now. <clears throat> and there's two counties between where he's extraditable to and where I'm at, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I tell my partner, I said, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go arrest this guy. We're going to take him down to Miller County, and then we're going to question him on stealing these four-wheelers up in Callaway. And the first words out of my partner's mouth is, dude, it's extraditable adjoining counties only. I said, I know how to do this. I've been taught how to do this. And he goes, what? And I said, we'll just drive him down. And he goes, 
we're not assigned to that zone. Those zones, we're going to have to. I, he, I said, dude, it'll work. And he said, I don't know, man. We're going to get in trouble. I said, here, watch. So I walked down the hall to the captain, knocked on the door. And, of course, the captain says, come on in. He said, what's going on? And I, I just laid him out and I said, hey, this guy's got a warrant. We, I think he stole these two four-wheelers. I want to talk to him. The warrant's extraditable adjoining count only. Can I drive him? you know, from Callaway County to Miller County. And, of course, I knew the captain very well. <clears throat> and that's what this other trooper that was hesitant didn't realize that I knew the captain so well. And the captain has used to say, look at that patch on your shirt. It says state. It doesn't say zone five or zone four or zone three or whatever, you know. So I go, we drive over to this dude's place, an old junky trailer on the side of a hill, and... Uh, he, he kind of looks like the dude that played in Breaking Bad. Who's the main character in Breaking Bad? You know who I'm talking about? Oh, um, hey, comes and and you know what's what's funny yeah. is he's pretty he's pretty cocky. He's got about a '71 or '72 Yuma Gold Monte Carlo. If you remember what those would look like, you know the first couple years of Monte Carlo where they had they were kind of big bodied, long in the front but rounded, and that yes. color is called '72. So he had this eight hey, with rally rims. And 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 I don't think it was dice, but he had something hanging from the rear view, and he lived in a trailer over there that belonged to his dead grandma or some shit. And <laughs> so I knocked on the door, and I, you know, and he comes to the door, and I said, "You Joey or whatever," and he said, "Yeah." And I said, "Hey, I need to talk to you." And he said, "About what?" And I said, "You got a warrant in Miller County for this, this, and this." And he goes, "Yeah, so they can't arrest me." And I said, you know about it? And he goes, oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been pulled over half a dozen times and stuff. And they're not going to come get me. What do they say? It's extraditable. Uh, only if I go down there. And I don't ever go down there no more. And I said, are you telling me that the deputies and people? And he goes, oh, yeah. Holds on PD stopped me a couple times. And I've been stopped a couple times with deputies. And, and yeah, they're not going to come and get me at all. And I said, well, that's a problem. And he said, what's the problem? And I said, put your hands behind your back. You're under arrest. And he goes, dude, I'm telling you, you can't arrest me. They won't come and get me. And I said, dude, look at my patch on that arm. See that? What's that say? Missouri State Highway Patrol. He goes, you're effing kidding me. And I said, nope. So cuffed him up. And took, him for, took him for the long ride. This is the funny part. I was in such a good mood just because that's some kind of way I was at that time. We're driving and he goes, I'm going to have to sit there. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, I ain't got no money. You know, he's, he's crying me this river, right? And yeah. it's about an hour drive from where it's an hour. It's at least an hour drive from where I get him to where we're going. I drove through Burger King and I bought him the the, the kids' cheeseburger meals. So he had something to eat because he said they ain't gonna feed me. We're, by the time we get there, you know, dinners. So some of these guys have been in institutions several times. They know how the feeding schedules are and different. Anyway, and I and and I I was felt so good about tricking him like that, driving him down there, that I actually drove him through Burger King and spent. You know, four sixty-five at that time or whatever, because my partner was like, "I can't believe you're spending money on this guy." And I said, "No." Hey, and he told me where the stolen four-wheelers were. And they go, and it cost you was a five-dollar. Uh, That's all it cost me. It's, it's number one. Hey, kids' meal. Mm -hmm. 
Hey, I was ordering it. I drove through the drive-through, right? Now I got my partner troopers in the back seat. He's up in the front right seat, and and I'm pulling up to the window, and I'm ordering this cheeseburger with ketchup only, or however he wanted it. And he, this guy starts yelling, "It's for me, the prisoner, not the cops. Don't do nothing to it." He starts yelling oh. into the into the into the order taker. You know what I'm saying? Oh my God! Thinking they're gonna spit on it because right. you're a police. Because they see a cop car. So when I get to the window, now he's cuffed. I get to the window. He goes, "You didn't do nothing, did you? It's for me. It's not for them." <laughs> and they were go, "Are you serious?" I said, "Yeah, it's for him. You didn't do nothing." No, we wouldn't do that. I said, "Okay." Here you go, bud. Uh, well, hey, I hope everybody remembers that when they're eating their cheeseburgers at their Fourth of okay. July cookout. Yep. That's the world we're in. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the From the Shadows podcast. Until next time, never shy away from the darkness or what may be lurking in the shadows. We are out. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.